Just before Srila Prabhupada left this world, the Nityalila, in the spiritual world, he had a request that the devotees take him to Govardhan on a bullet cart, Parikram. And there was two opinions. Some said, no, Prabhupada, we won't take you. The doctor says if we take you now that you won't survive very long at all. And others said, no, you have to do. As Prabhupada asked for it. So there was quite a dilemma. But Prabhupada's desire was to be at Govardhan. And this is what our Vaishnav Shastras say about the most sacred place in the universe. Vaikuntas janito vara marupuri tatrapi rasotsavad rindaranyamudara paniramana tatrapi govardhana radha kundamihapi gokulapate premam ritaplavanat kuryarasya virajato giditite sevam vaveki nakaha. That's above Vaikuntha is Maturapuri, above that or the forests of Vrindavan. Above that is the Govardhan Hill. And above that is Radhakund. But the Radhakund, as everyone knows, and Govardhan Hill are in the same vicinity. And Srila Bhaktisiddhanta used to appreciate staying in Govardhan, not directly in Radhakund. This is a place of Krishna's eternal pastimes. And even today, when you go to Govardhan, you can feel the spontaneous nature of the devotees. In the Parikram, the devotees are so joyful, night and day, singing together, going around Govardhan. And all they're doing is walking and walking and walking and singing and singing or chanting. And if you just watch them go, then you feel happy. Because if you're watching people in New York City, they also, if you're on a street corner and you're distributing books and the light changes, they say, I have to go. You say, why do you have to go? It's just a light. You can get another one in <laughs> two minutes. No, no, I have to go. As in the material world, Everyone has to go. The light changes, you got to go. Even a pandemic comes, I still see flights flying because nobody can stop. No one can stop doing anything, not even for a moment. And that's being forced by the modes of material nature. Prakriti krimanani gunai karmani sarvasha ahankara the person's thinking, no, no, I want to go, but the, the modes are saying, no, you have to go. But when devotees come to Govardhan to do the Parikrama, they're doing Padasevana, right? 
worshiping the lotus feet of the Lord by walking around and using that sense. The legs are senses, working senses. So you use them in the service of the Lord and there's a difference between walking in New York because you have to go to your job because you're in debt to going in debt to go to Govardhan to walk around with no other care in the world except for just worshiping and thinking of the Lord. Some people do the Dandavat Parikram and some people do 108 Dandavats in one place and then they move to the next place. And you think, is that a full-time occupation? <laughs> what do you do for a living, sir? Well, I do 108 Dandavats and then I move forward by one body length and I do another 108 Dandavats and I throw a stone on a pile in front of a picture of Giri Raj next to Giri Raj and I lie in the dirt all day. That's what you do for a living. What do you do for a living? Well, I run to the office and <clears throat> make deals. And so there's a <clears throat> difference between the material and spiritual worlds. Those who know the difference, yanisha sarvabhutanam tasyam jagrati samyami, there's <clears throat> an awareness in those who are awake that when I'm sleeping, then various samskars come out of my mind and they act in very odd and sometimes awkward ways in the sleep. And then as soon as I open my eyes in the morning, they recede back into my subtle body, my subconscious mind. They're all in there. And then when I'm so-called awake, I think that I'm moving around by my own will. But actually, it's still the samskars which are pushing me in one direction or another. And I make a construct of reality in this world. But there's nothing to really hold on to in this material world. Everything that's constructed by the mind will be dismantled again. But in the spiritual world, Krishna says, Parastasma tu bhavo nyo vyakto vyakta sanatana yaksak sarvishubhuta ishu nashyatsu navinashiti. When everything in this world is destroyed in this material world, that place remains as it is. And including our concept of reality will be destroyed in this world. Still that part remains as it is in the spiritual world. It's solid. It's always there. It's eternal. And Krishna's pastimes are going on there. So why do people come to Govardhan to worship? The Lord walk around and why do people take stones from Govardhan Hill and then they do puja for them. They worship as if they're worshiping Krishna. And uh, Krishna keeps his dham in this world. It's eternally here. Boma Vrindavan simultaneously there in Goloka Vrindavan and all of the devotees that are in the spiritual world are also in the Dham in this world. So there's a Govardhan in Goloka and there's a Govardhan in Boma Vrindavan. And in Krishna's pastime of lifting Govardhan Hill, he begins just after 
the wives of the Brahmins got benediction from him, you know that there was this dichotomy created and shown through the pastime of the Jagnik Brahmins. They're supposed to be the topmost in society, but they couldn't recognize Krishna. They were getting ready to perform the sacrifice. And just around that time, Krishna was with his boyfriends in the forest of Vrindavan. And they said, uh, dear Krishna, dear Balaram, we're very hungry. And what shall we do? So Krishna recommended that nearby there's a yagya that is going to take place soon. They're yagnik brahmins. They're preparing for the yagya. And just at this time, you can go and ask them for something. And they, they should give it to you. They should know. But you don't ask in my name because I'm a Vaisha and Balaram, ask in his name. He's a Kshatriya. Maybe they'll give something for him. Because Krishna knew they were very caste-minded. So the boys went and they offered obeisances to these Yagyak Brahmins. They said, oh, earthly gods. Krishna and Balaram in the forest nearby. And they're very hungry. Now please give something to eat. And you know what those Brahmins said? Do you know? They said nothing. That's the worst thing. Right, Gopal Champu? You approach somebody for a little donation or just to show them a book, and then they say nothing. They pretend that you don't even exist. And that's what these Yagdik Brahmins did. They didn't recognize Krishna. So the boys came back feeling disappointed. And Krishna said, don't be disappointed. That's the way of begging. Sometimes when you beg, people don't give. And if beggars knew how hard it was to give, they wouldn't beg. And if people who were being asked knew how hard it was to beg, they'd always give to beggars. But this time, go and ask the wives of the Brahmins. They're the ones doing the cooking and helping their husbands get ready for this yagya. So the boys went in. Oh, mothers... They offered obeisances. And as they were giving the information that Krishna and Balaram were in the nearby Ashok forest and they needed some boga to feed them, halfway through, the ladies spontaneously began filling containers and running towards the grove, hearing that Krishna and Balaram were there. And, of course, when they got there, they had loving exchange with Krishna as Krishna entered into their hearts. And they wanted to stay there in the forest with Krishna. And he told them, no, better if you go home. They said, we can't go home now. We already left. He said, no, I'll, I'll make it so that everything is understood by everyone when you go back. So when they did go back, actually, everyone honored them. And their husbands realized that they had made a big mistake in not recognizing Krishna and Balaram. In fact, 
they were feeling embarrassed and aggrieved, but still they couldn't go. They still couldn't go to the forest for several reasons. One was they were afraid of Kamsa. Because at that time, Kamsa was persecuting everyone. And they felt that if they were seen going to the forest to meet with Krishna, that Kamsa might somehow find out and they would be persecuted. They also thought, you know, it's getting late and there could be wild animals out there. It could be dangerous. It's scary. And so this dichotomy again is shown between the spontaneous wives of the Brahmins who immediately went out to the forest to meet with Krishna and their husbands who knew all the Vedic rituals. They were honored as earthly gods because they were Brahmanas. But they didn't know the purpose of life. They didn't know the purpose of the Vedas. And even when they found out, then they didn't have the spiritual strength to actually go there and surrender to Krishna. Although they wanted to, they, they didn't have the strength. I was thinking today about how this readiness to surrender to Krishna is not an ordinary thing. Manushanam sahasreshu kashid yatati siddhaye yatatamapi siddhanam kashtim mambeti tatvataha Krishna says in the Gita, out of millions of people, there are only some that are interested in spiritual life, and out of those interested in spiritual life, only a very rare few who take to devotional service, and of those, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, there's not many who are pure devotees. Muktana Mampisidhanam Narayana Parayana. The Narayana Parayanas who are fully surrendered are very rare. So when we have the chance to practice pure devotional service spontaneously, we should make as many, take as many opportunities as possible to surrender when we can. Because as we do, we get spiritual strength. And Krishna mentions this in the, in the Gita, Prayana Kali Manasa Chalena Bhakta Yukto Yoga Balena Chaiva that the yogis, they're able to be very stoic at the time when they leave this world. They're able to fix their mind between the two eyebrows and so forth. And Prabhupada takes the opportunity there to point out that any kind of yogi, whether you're an Ashtanga yogi or Kriya yogi or a Bhakti yogi, you have to practice throughout your life in order to get this Bala, yoga balena, uh, yoga strength, spiritual strength. This is the most valuable asset anybody could have. So all of you, you know, throughout your lives, practicing this surrender to Krishna, even as you go through various periods of your life and all kinds of challenges. Anyone have challenges from time to time? One, two, three, only three of you. Four of you, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Those become an opportunity for us to surrender and develop this yoga balena. So Krishna showed in that pastime, and you'll find in the Bhagavatam that the Govardhan Leela starts right in that village. Some, it says, 
Shukadeva says somehow or other Krishna there there the cowherd men in that same village where the Yajnik Brahmins were getting ready to do the sacrifice. Then uh, soon after, then all the men of the village, including Nanda Maharaj, were setting up for an Indra Yajna. So Krishna was seven years old at the time. He had seen it before and hadn't brought it up. But now he wasn't six, he was seven. So this was a good time for him to bring it up to his father. Big difference. And seeing that his father and all the men put out all the paraphernalia very elaborately to worship Indra, Krishna asked his father, Father, is this a Vedic yagya or is this something local? And his father said, oh, that's all right. You don't have to bother with this. It's, a, it's very complicated. It's a yagya. But Krishna persisted. He said, no, no, amongst family members, we should, and friends, we should tell these things. And, I, and there's, you, you shouldn't hold back to explain this to me. If you think that I am able to understand it, you please tell me. Is it Vedic or is it local? He said, well, son, Nandamara said to Krishna, this sacrifice has been going on for many generations here in our village. It's a, it's a local tradition. But we've been doing it so long, no one can remember when it started. And it's very important because Indra is the source of our livelihood. He's the one who sends the clouds. And the clouds give the rain. And then from the rain, we're able to get crops to feed the cows. They get nice grasses. And the cows, everyone prospers. And Krishna said, well... You know, worshipping a deva, it's not really that important because, actually, everything's going on by the force of karma. And even Indra, he's a deva. He's forced by his own karma to give, whether you worship him or not. This is how the whole universe works. Krishna began elaborately listing various tenets of the karmakanda idea. And now what he's doing, Shukadev, or Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur reveals, he actually knows that Indra has become puffed up. He expects this worship now. After all, somebody gets a little respect and it becomes addicting. It happens sometimes. People get in a position of power, then their term is over somehow, and they just don't want to go. I'm not talking about any particular situation. It's general. Prophet mentions that politicians, even when they get to be old, they don't want to give it up. Uh, people get, living entities get attached to a little, a little, they have a chip in the game somewhere here in this world, a little chip. And they want to hold on to it. Because what will happen if I don't have my chip? So Indra, getting all this worship, he started thinking, well, I'm the supreme Ishwar. That's why those who are doing work of management have to be careful. 
the Ishvara Bhava, this mood that I am the controller, can be very addicting. That uh, I'm what makes the world go round. And that's what Krishna knew that Indra was thinking. So the reason Krishna started this conversation with his father was twofold. The first was that he wanted to purify Indra. This wasn't out of vengeance. Krishna's very kind. Hey Krishna, Karuna Sindo, Dina Bando Jagatpate. Krishna's so soft-hearted that he wanted to purify his devotee. Indra's a good devotee. But he got puffed up in his service. That's the first reason. Second reason is Krishna wanted to have intimate pastimes with all of his devotees in Vraj. The devotees are so attached to Krishna and they're always praying to see him. In fact, one of the qualities of the devotees in Vrindavan is they're so attached to Krishna if they don't see him even for a second. If he walks behind a tree when he's in the cow pasture and they can't see him for half a second, they become disturbed. And the gopis, as you know, prayed, what kind of creator are you, Brahma? You made eyes that blink. So when we blink for that millisecond, we don't get to see Krishna. What kind of a dunce are you? What kind of creator do you think you are? This is how attached they are to Krishna. So they're always praying that, well, let me be with Krishna always. But Krishna has his schedule. He's on a tight schedule. He goes from his house to the to the pastures and then pasturing ground. He comes home. He has an appointment with his mother who gives him a bath and then feeds him and puts him in nice pajamas, puts him in his bed, and then he sneaks out the window to be with his girlfriends at night. So he's always with some of the devotees, but at different times of the day or night. So he wanted to be with all the devotees. And this was the stage. This is the stage where Krishna is with all of his devotees at the same time. So Krishna convinced the cowherd men to take all the paraphernalia that they were going to use for Indra. I mean, this is a real insult. Indra, it's a that close and all of a sudden it's like, nah, I don't think so. He said, Krishna said, look it, Govardhan, that's who you want to worship. Govardhana. He increases the, the nourishment of the cows. He gives grass and nice water and there's fruits and flowers. He's the one who's supplying. You should take all this paraphernalia and use it to worship Govardhan. You have a yagya for Govardhan. All of you then can uh, dress up in your nicest clothes and circumambulate. We'll have, we'll feed everybody. And Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, we'll feed everybody, even the animals. And Vishnu says he was getting all the residents on his side for this yagya because everyone was going to get fed. And they said, okay, yeah, let's do it. So they held the yagya, and then uh, when they're circumambulating Govaran, just when you get past the Dangati, 
by a few miles, you'll be in the town of Anior, which means give me more, give me more. Anior, Anior. And there, Krishna, just to convince the residents of Raj about the reality of what he was saying, that Krishna manifested himself as Govardhan Hill. So there was a huge form of Krishna on that hill. And he was saying, feed me. It was intimidating. Actually, in the Gopal Champu, there's descriptions of how frightening that form was. He was so gigantic, huge teeth. In order to, he was using bamboo as like toothpicks after he ate. And the residents were bringing him uh, cooked food from all the villages. And they're cooking more and more and more and more and more. And all the stoves were going and they were bringing Japuris and Japatis and Puris and halva and, and rice and subject, everything they were feeding him. And he kept saying, give me more, give me more, give me more. And Krishna said, we should bow down. So Krishna's there in both places as Govardhan and also he's standing there in his form, seven-year-old cowherd boy. We better offer obeisances to him so we can appease him. Of course, it's described also how finally Balaram understood how to satisfy this huge form of Govardhan. So he took one Tulsi leaf and he gave it and then he stopped asking. So the, the residents all in their clothes they were on, some of them were on wagons, the ones who couldn't walk. And they were all singing songs. This is one of the ways in which the, the gopis in Vrindavan, they always remember Krishna. Mother Yashoda does this. She makes up songs about his pastimes. Whatever he does during the day, she'll make up a song. And then uh, while she's working or going on the wagon around Govardhan, they'll sing the songs about what Krishna did that day that they're always thinking Krishna, singing about Krishna. So after this big celebration, Indra is thinking, why I oughta, that little punk, who does he think he is? Some little kid. He talked him out of, I mean, it's really shocking when you're expecting some respect and then someone takes it away from you, especially when someone you think like, why that guy? Why he gets it? <laughs> It's a really dangerous uh, emotion to fall into. And Indra had fallen all the way into it so that he became angry. He said, that little talkative kid, he talked us, he talked all these so-called smart adults into worshiping a hill. And they, he forgot my worship. Where's my stuff? Where's my worship? He said, I'll show these guys. So he called together his associates. He has a little cloud company and he told them all unseasonably, you go out there, the heaviest of all of you, some of them are meant for destroying the universe. They're so powerful. He said, I want you to just smash Vrindavan, kill the cows, kill the people, kill everybody. I want it smashed. I want it to look like a parking lot afterwards. Just finish it all. And so they marched out. They're his servants. He let them out and they started marching across the sky. And when the residents of Vrindavan saw the rain coming down like 
as thick as wagon wheels it was coming down. You couldn't tell what was high land or was what was low land. The water came down so fast and furiously the storm was coming, lightning was starting, and they began to cry for Krishna. Krishna, please save us. The cows went there covering their calves and the parents covering their children. Krishna, please help. So Govinda ran across and as he did, Leela Shakti stopped all the rain so not one drop got on Krishna's turban or on any part of his body as he ran into a, a cave in Govardhan, then picked up the mountain with his left hand and thrust it into the sky. Now you might think there might be a, a, a muddy mess underneath that hill. You might think there would be all kinds of snakes and and um, just uh, foul smells. I mean, what's underneath a mountain? But no, there was a beautiful residential palace with rooms, and it was beautiful, and a place for everybody, a place for the cows. And Krishna says, come on in, and don't think, don't worry that this will slip from my hand. So here he is. They're a seven-year-old local hero, but they'd never seen anything like this. He was holding a mountain on his little finger, on his left hand, in the air, as easy as a child will pick up a mushroom and hold it aloft. It was that easy for Krishna. Now Govardhan was feeling the touch of the lotus hand of Krishna. And he then, in his ecstasy, was not feeling the pounding that Indra was giving. Thunderbolts were crashing down in his back and the rains were drenching him but he was in so much ecstasy being touched by Krishna's hand, he didn't feel any of it. Meanwhile, under the hill, all of the devotees, when they looked at Krishna, they saw, he's looking at me. All the devotees for seven days and seven nights had their wishes fulfilled, which is, I just want to be with Krishna all the time. I don't want any break. I don't want to miss him. I just want to see him all the time. And he was the cynosure of everyone's eyes. He was there in the center. And no matter what side the devotees were standing on, Krishna was looking right at them. And they all interacted with him according to their own relationship. Mother Yashoda was worried that you have to eat. That must be heavy. Madhumangal was cracking jokes with Krishna saying, hey, let me hold it for a little while. And uh, the gopis were looking on, admiring Krishna and Krishna, as it's mentioned, the nectar devotion. He was glancing at the gopis and then because his he was a little distracted by seeing them, the hill wobbled once and everybody thought, oh no, he's going to drop it. But it was actually because he was distracted by his devotees uh, love for him. So this was a festival where they were all in ecstasy. Meanwhile, Indra was asking his scouts, so are they finished yet? And they come back and say, uh, no, master, not even one drop has touched any of them. It hasn't done anything. And gradually, gradually, 
Indra began to understand the power of Krishna. And he came to a census when he was eclipsed by the power of all omniscient, all powerful Krishna. And he realized he had made a big mistake. So he called back his clouds. And Krishna then asked everyone to go out from the hill. He said, it's dry now, you can go out. He put the hill back down and he came out. The residents of Vrindavan all came and greeted him. They all were, he was a local hero for seven days holding that Govardhan hill aloft. Some of them, according to their relationship, some would offer obeisances to him. Some of them who were in Vatsalya Ras, they would come and they, they were massaging his left hand and cracking his knuckles. Like, your hand okay after all that? You going to be all right? And everyone was admiring him. Well, the coward boys, the coward men all got together and asked Nandamaraj, how did that happen? How did your little, what's with your little boy? And Nanda said, you know, when the name-giving ceremony occurred, Gargamuni told us that he'll be just like an incarnation of Orion. In fact, he, he told us that he's appeared in many ages. Sometimes he comes in a red incarnation, sometimes in a white incarnation. And the coward men began to think, yes, this must be an incarnation of Narayan. Maybe he is. He's an expansion of Narayan. And so Indra, meanwhile, was suffering a great embarrassment. So he thought, what should I do now? He went to Brahma. Brahma, I heard you had made some kind of a faux pas earlier. And Brahma said, yeah, but it wasn't like that. I just stole away. <laughs> I just stole away some calves and coward boys for a couple minutes. You try to kill these people. I can't give you any advice. Surabi, who's the head cow from one of the heavenly planets, came with Indra and she would be the one to lead the Abhishek. And meanwhile, Indra brought his elephant carrier, Aravata, and have, had him brought bring celestial Ganji water from the upper planetary systems in his trunk. He can hold a lot of water, Aravata. And when Indra came to Vraj, Krishna arranged it so that he could meet Indra in a private place, Vivikta. And the reason is so sweet. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur tells us the inner dialogue at that time because Krishna didn't want to embarrass him. In fact, he met him privately and Krishna was very humble. He said, I, I hope I didn't offend you by doing all this. And Indra offered his prayers and apologies to Krishna. Which, interestingly enough, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur points out a couple times that must not have been 100% sincere because even later on, Indra made another mistake with Krishna when he came to the heavenly planets 
and his consort wanted to have a pariyajata. And Indra fought him <laughs> in the heavenly planets <laughs> again. Nonetheless, as sincerely as he could, he offered his prayers to Krishna and asked for forgiveness. There's a place there where he met him at Govinda Kund. And then there's another kund not too far from there called Surabhi Kund. And it's a place that is said you can go and ask for forgiveness. And uh, this is uh, one of the important moods in devotional service. An anutapa. It's the anutapa means the, the austerity or the heat you feel after you make a mistake. In fact, in the process of initiation, it's a five-fold process for taking uh, diksha. Actually, it's uh, described by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, tapa, pundra, nama, mantra, yaga. So tapa means austerity. And what is that austerity? Well, previously, and in still in some sampradayas, when you're getting ready for initiation, the tapa is, they get a fire going, and they put these brands in it. It's not like getting a tattoo. It's hot brands of the shanka and the chakra. And then they brand you on your arm. But the tapa, Bhaktivinoda Thakur explains, for those who are in the Gaudiya Vaishnava line, is anutap, which means you feel repentant. Like, why did I come here to the material world in the first place? Why have I been such a, an ass this whole time, like a donkey, stubbornly staying here in the material world? And you feel remorse. So that Surabhikund is a good place to go and remember, like, I've made such a blunder coming to the material world. This is one of the prerequisites for someone who advanced in devotional service. Not to become neurotic about it, but we should have that in our heart. I feel a little bit of remorse that I've, I've turned away from Krishna. So in that time, Krishna forgave Indra, told him to go back to his duty. Told, he warned him about the destructive nature of pride. Don't become proud. Stay humble, he told him. And do your service. Go back and do your service. So then Indra and Surabhi, of course, Surabhi, when she offered her prayers, she said, your name is Govinda. That's when he got his name, Govinda. Because you're the Lord of all the cows. And you're the Lord of all of us. This Indra, he's not really the king. You're the main. You're the main, you're the main person in the whole universe. Ishvara Parama Krishna, Govinda. The master of the senses, the master of the cows. You're our Indra. Go Indra. Govinda. And then they gave him an Abhishekam. So imagine this beautiful Abhishek. So Surabhi's there. She's very uh, mystically endowed. And so she put out unlimited milk to bathe Krishna. And Airavata, he had in his trunk all this celestial water from the Ganges and bathed uh, Lord Krishna. What a beautiful scene. And so now when we do these Abhishekhs, we see 
for, for apparently no reason at all, the devotees go into ecstasy. As you see Krishna being bathed on these holy days, you just become happy, right? It's inexplicable. So there it was, right at Govardhan, bathing from Surabi and Airavata, and all that water, there was so much of it, it went all around Govardhan Hill and it formed those different kuns. I was talking to my friend Keshav Bardimarsh this morning, and we were just reminiscing. And I mean, we are really feeling blue today because we, for the last 19 years, we've been at Govardhan for the Govardhan Puja. And um, he was, he was, we were talking about the old days. And one, many moons ago, he did a, a yagya where he went around and he bathed in every single kund. Took him almost 24 hours. He chanted many, many rounds, took a bath in every single kund going around there and prayed at each one of them. And this is the prerogative of devotees. When they know Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead, they know where he lives, they know where the kunds are, they know how to chant Hare Krishna, they take time and they go there and they bathe in those kunds and they pray to Krishna, ask for forgiveness. And this is one of the most powerful places where devotees come and ask for forgiveness and worship Krishna and remember him. So then the Indra went back to his kingdom, Surabhi went back. And this uh, Govardhan pastime has become one of the most important of all pastimes for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas to remember uh, how Krishna reciprocates with his pure devotees. If you have a desire to be with Krishna, he'll find a way that you can be with him, that you'll be able to see him. First song I remember I heard attracted me to the Maha Mantra it was George Harrison. It was a song called My Sweet Lord. I was driving with my mother back from a music lesson in Berkeley, coming through the Caldecott Temple. And uh, we were coming down the hill and that song was a hit on the radio. We had the radio on. And he was singing, my sweet Lord. And he was saying, I really want to see you. Really want to be with you. And I was thinking, wow. And then the Hare Krishna thing came on. I thought, the Beatles are singing Hare Krishna? Count me in. So, uh, but it sent chills through my spine just hearing the, the lyrics, I, I really want to see you. I really want to be with you. And Hare Krishna, oh, wow. So what's the origin of all that? Take it back to Govardhan Hill. If you really want to see Krishna, if you really want to be with Krishna, you can chant Hare Krishna. And you pray like that, and Krishna will make an arrangement. You can be there. Keshav Bharti Marsh um, told me many years ago, we've talked about this several times, but, you know, he... He was in many different countries doing service, and then he got this prayer that we sang at the beginning for residents in Govardhan. And he was saying it every day as part of his sadhana. And then he got um, called to come and restore that ashram there. It was a ruin. He, they spent three years there, he and Asit Krishnamaraj, restoring it. I, w I came and visited him several times because... Before I stayed there, I stayed at the Goshala in Vrindavan. And um, 
it, it was hard work. There was no air conditioning, no fans even, no electricity. They built that. The point was he sang that and then he realized one day, oh, I'm here. I live here now. <laughs> this is my new place. So prayers are powerful. And the Bhagavad Gita Krishna says, Yanti Deva Vritave Devan Pitran Yanti Pratirvata Bhutani Yanti Bhuteja Yanti Mam Yajinopimam. You can go wherever you like, sir. Madam, you're a free soul. You can move about the universe as much as you like. Go to another universe. You can go to the spiritual world if you wish. It's based on your desire. So when we hear these pastimes, if we can develop a some kind of inclination towards the Dom, right? Preaching, doing service here in the West. This is West is for outreach. And then go to the Dom and just walk to these places, lie on the ground and pray. Feel the warmth of the Vrindavan ground underneath and walk and just walk and see the parrots, listen to the sounds of Vrindavan. Even at night, you can hear people going around Govardhan all night long, singing out, Girijai Giriraj. And all that vibration, it goes in and it, if you could get one twinge, a little twinge that, wow, this is sweet. You feel that sweetness. This is the perfection of life. And if a tear can come to your eye sometime, you're sitting chanting your rounds and you're feeling, oh, I miss the dom. I wish I could be there. Or you're there and you're thinking, I, didn't, I never want to leave. I don't want to go. This is, Bhagavatam says, if you, if you come, to the, come to tears, not that you flaunt it, you hide these things, don't tell anybody, don't ruin it. But if you have that, then you're not coming back to the material world. There's no way. Krishna will bring you along with his party and you'll be part of that. He'll arrange for it. If you're not ready yet, he'll put you in a place where you can get ready. But we're not coming back to this material world. No more stupid elections. No more, you know, all these pandemics and craziness in this world. This is not our place. Our place is in Vrindavan. And the more specific we are about it from hearing, the more we develop our our inclination to just want to be there. That's all you have to do. You just got to want to be there. If you really want it, Krishna will make the arrangement. He'll move heaven and earth for you. He already is. And this day is so important to remember that this is our real home, Vrindavan Dham. Shri Giriraj Maharaj Ki Jai. And now let's just see if you have any comments or you want to ask a question. Shraddhadevi Dasi. Dhanupranath Bharas, thank you so Hare much for, for taking us to Govardhan Dham today. I was just, um, I was thinking about, and you might remember how Gita Priya cried so much when she was taking away from um, Jagannath Puri. Who could forget? She cried torrents of tears and it didn't stop after she got in the car. It went all the way home. I think all the way home on the plane too. And that's... That's very special. Yeah. There's some things that, 
you know, it's it's the spiritual world, and it, and there's something that awakens in the heart. Where, wow, it's inexplicable, but it awakens and it it awakens that feeling in the heart of missing Krishna, and wanting to be there. And this is the power of bhakti, the kind of sadhana that we do, is we're we're always putting ourselves in association with the pure devotees, like Tulsi Devi. I mean, all of you grew up worshiping Tulsi Devi, but I remember the first time I walked into the San Francisco temple, it was all white. It used to be a funeral parlor. <laughs> it's actually a very ornate, beautiful place. But in the temple room, there's such a beautiful temple room, all white, all the pictures really stood out and the deities so effulgent. And then there was a big skylight and that in the roof and the sun would come in and I tell them when we did Tulsi Puja and it was just such a joyful celebration going around Tulsi something like wow this is bliss all the activities of bhakti are bliss bhakti you know things sings about a shuddha bhakata chararinu bhajana he goes on and on it's like all these activities so all of them are you know, going to the Dom, going to Lord Chaitanya's places, all these one, we're just keeping ourselves close to the spiritual world. And then what it does is it, uh, it's like starting a car, you know, when the car stalls? No, you don't know, because this is back in the carburetor days. But when their cars, kids used to have car carburetors inside and the, and the car would die, you had to push it. I remember in high school, we always had you know, kids had junky cars, so they'd stall all the time. And you'd have to push it. You know, three of us would get out and push it really fast, and then someone would pop the clutch and bloom, 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 and start up again. So in the same same way, you know, our bhakti is there dormant. Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sadya Kabunoi Shravanadi Shuddha Chittikara Udoi. And by this going to the Dhams, worshiping Tulsi Devi, seeing the deity, chanting Hare Krishna, taking Charnamrita, ringing the bell, offering obeisances, all these things. It's like pushing the car and then it wakes up. And if you feel that, oh, I think I just felt something. That's real. It's the awakening of that natural love we have for Krishna in our hearts. Thanks, Radha. Yes, Gandharvika. I just um, thought about another point that Madhavananda Prabhu made when he came here last night about Giriraj. Uh, he was saying that... Uh, Giriraj gives all the uh, minerals and the uh, grass for the cows and everything. But when the cows give the milk, everybody glorify the cows. And when they make nice uh, painting with the minerals, everybody glorify the person who made it. So like that, Giriraj never gets the credit, but he is the force behind everything. So he was saying that how the salt in a dish like that Giriraj, that is why he's called Harida Savarya, because he knows the essence of being the servant of the servant and not expecting glorification. So I just, that point stuck in my mind. Thank you, Prabhu. Yeah, that's a beautiful point. And really that is an important principle that when we do devotional service, we do service for service. It's not because I want to show that, look, you know, I just did this. Did you notice me? In fact, Srila Bhaktisananta in his poem writes about how someone might come and then 
say, oh, I'll go to the, I'll go to a cave and chant by myself. Doing, I'm doing three times 64 rounds a day. And then I start thinking like, I wonder who's noticing me here. As soon as that thought comes in, it's destructive of, of one's sincere feeling that one has in calling out to Krishna. And so doing service where we genuinely have given up the idea that I need to be recognized for this, that's when it becomes starts to become sweet. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Prabhu, I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, there was one incident that happened, and when you said by going back to Godhead, I just remember that. Long, maybe a few years back, my parents had visited the temple, and uh, my dad more an impersonalist. Um, so he, he saw you giving a class and everybody there. That night, he had a dream, and the next day morning, he came to me and he said, I had a dream yesterday. I said, what was the dream? He said, you know your temple that Krishna was actually speaking. And I said, okay. <laughs> and he said yeah, that everybody who was there in the hall, and um, he was mentioning about you, and he said, so everybody will be taken back home, back to Godhead by him. So I looked at my dad. I said, so you, you believe that Krishna has a farm? He's like, but I have no clue why I had this dream, but I had this dream, he said. So when you said going back to Godhead, Prabhu, I mean, my, even though my dad is not a totally impersonalist or personalist or not Krishna conscious, he did have this dream, and I was so happy. The first question I asked him was, was I there in the hall? <laughs> I remember that. And then he... <laughs> I remember that. That was way back on Bascom, right? Um, uh, no, no, Prabhu. In, in our new temple when we just came. It was the new temple when we just moved in. Okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, Hare Krishna, Prabhu. Hare Krishna, Namai. Um when i was listening to you i had this one question like krishna he, he was he he took a material body at that time but he was much shorter than all the all the like the villagers so um how did he hold up the go over the mountain even if, because even if he was standing on a rock then there must have been some small hole in govardhan that like held that held the rock under there so like that would still cancel out the same distance. So how is he taller than all the the villagers to hold up the mountain? It's mystic power. Krishna is known as Yogeshwara Yogeshwara, the, the mystic of all mystics. He has all mystic power. In fact, anybody who has any power, it all comes from Krishna. So when Krishna does something, it's inconceivable he's so powerful it's it's not something that you can calculate with a ruler in fact there's many uh stories like when uh krishna when jarasandha attacked and kaliyavana uh, came at the same time to attack krishna uh krishna was walking away from the fight and um uh, Kalyavana chased him from behind because he wanted to fight with Krishna. And although Krishna was walking slowly at an even pace, Kalyavana was running at, at a, as fast as he could. He couldn't catch up to Krishna because Krishna is the supreme mystic. And you remember, Nimai, when 
Yashoda was trying to tie Krishna with ropes, how every time she'd add more rope to tie him up around his waist, that it was how many inches too short? Uh, by two inches. Yeah. And then he put, she put more. Even she took ribbon from her hair and she was getting the uh, rope from neighbors, everyone tying it together was still two inches too short because Krishna's got mystic powers. So he can do all kinds of things. That's why Sri Shapanishad says the Supreme Lord walks and does not walk. He's far away, but he's very near as well. He's within everything, and yet? He is without everything. He is outside, outside of everything. Of everything. Yeah. yeah, see, so that's a that's a, a description of, you know, mystic the supreme mystic power that he has that he can be all places at once and still have his individual existence somewhere else. He can appear to be the smallest seven-year-old, but he's holding up a mountain and he's holding it aloft above everybody who's taller than him. He can do that by his mystic power. Okay, um, yeah, thank you. You're somewhat satisfied by that yeah. answer, somewhat. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Right? Eight. Eight out of ten. Okay. Hare Krishna. Yes, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, uh, yeah, I was just, um, as you were describing, you know, the residents of Vrindavan worshipping Krishna in the form of Govardhan. I was just remembering four years ago, just, you know, how devotees... Um, have such elaborate celebrations. My grandmother had come to the Brooklyn Temple because she wanted to see me. So it was it happened to be Govindan Puja that day. And so as you know the devotees were circumambulating the hill, she had run in to get the sweets. And then she came in and told me afterwards, she said, you know what? You can tell your authorities they really know how to worship God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That's really sweet. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing a few years ago when I, when I got to the Dallas Temple, and uh, you know, I'd been traveling at night, and I got in there, Mangal Artik, It was still dark, and then I started realizing how Krishna consciousness—it's really about satisfying Krishna's senses, and he he only likes good stuff, and you can keep giving him more and more, and it's like there's an overflow of the sweetest smells, the best food, the best music, dancing, everything, all to, all all the time. And it's like a huge festival. And we just get the overflow uh, from, you know, Krishna's enjoyment. And it's very powerful when somebody comes in and sees that. I mean, do you remember the first time that you walked into a Hare Krishna temple? Yeah, the incense flowers, Srila Prabhupada sitting there, it's just like, it's a festival for the eyes. Yeah, it's really powerful. And at Govardhan, just that, um, you know, like on Govardhan Puja Day, the thousands and thousands of people every hour going by there. We set up a book table sometimes during the Kartik season, right outside during the busy days. There's a uh, What's his name, the doctor from uh, Columbus? 
Prima Velas. Yeah, Prima Velas Prabhu. He was really enthusiastic for setting up a book table just outside our ashram. So, you know, we, we were doing book distribution out there. But the people who come there to Govardhan from these villages all over India, they're so simple hearted and, and just such brilliantly effulgent uh, devotees, you know. They're so happy to be here that Giraj. So they saw Prema Vilas there. He's, you know, he looks like some kind of avatar. He's really tall and uh, super bright and enthusiastic. And so he was there selling books and he would, he, whole villages would come up because they all come together on Parikram. So he would talk to them about taking books, you know, and they'd take books. And then they were so intrigued with him. They say, you please come back to our village and be our guru. <laughs> they wanted to bring him home. <laughs> it's such a sweet, spontaneous place. <laughs> you come back with us. Yeah, thank you for that memory. So all over the world, Govardhan Puja goes on now. Any other things? We wanted, I just wanted to add uh, something, what you just said. Uh, when uh, last year, uh, uh, somehow I was able to visit with Ramananda Sakaprabhu, the uh, you know Barsana Temple, and mm. since we were waiting for some time, uh, for like thirty minutes, and we were chanting, and then I somehow uh, start talking to the villagers, those who were there assembled, and after talking, the one guy he called another one, then another one, then another one, then all I was just talking, and then they all sat across me, and they were telling that nobody told us these things you know nobody told us about radha or you know krishna's the you know whatever little understanding which you have you know imparted to us i was just glorifying and they were like coming like everybody was sitting across and i was just thinking their heart is so simple very clean and that's what you know when you speak about it glorifying they were telling that exactly you know no people you should come to our area and we are from far off you know up so i just want to add that yeah, the mood there, our Vashana, is same, same sweet mood, just spontaneous. The devotees want to see the, want to see, the deities, and they'll push you out of the way when the curtains open. It, that jolt of bhakti goes through your body. Very nice, Bhakti Rohit. You were going to say something. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, Hare Krishna. I was just thinking that uh, this Govardhan Leela, the entire thing was. <laughs> The world's first lockdown where everyone's got together and did we're just simply admiring krishna for seven <laughs> maybe seven nights and i was just thinking that in, in 2020 the same govardhan <laughs> leela has manifested himself again and giriraj govardhan has manifested himself as a zoom room where you know where everyone is in the same room in the same room and listening to krishna katha so this is really fortunate it's a it's a it's a boon actually you're getting some applause there yeah, that's nice. You know, Narayanak Parak Sarve Nakutashana Pipiti, Swaraga Pavarga Narakeshu Apituliarta Darshina. As long as devotees can be with Krishna, you know, they don't care where they are. In fact, they look for excuses that it can happen. And um yeah, I like that a lot. It was the first lockdown. Lockdown under Govardhan Hill with Krishna. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Oh, very good. Sadhu, where is your bass? Is it a bass clarinet or bass saxophone? It's a bass clarinet. 
It sounds really good. Thank when you. are you going to break that out for our kirtans? Um, I'm learning it right now. I'm in like the first step, so probably it takes you a get... couple of weeks to learn something. So we'll wait a little longer. All right, go ahead, Prabhu. Um, so I had a realization about how Sri Lord Krishna was so merciful to the um, Vrajavasis, especially Mother Yashoda. Yeah, he, he actually, she actually tied him up to the mortar while yogis who have you know done penances for many years cannot even tie um krishna to their heart but and what to speak of tying him in person and then yeah so i was thinking about how mother yashoda received so much so much mercy that even lord brahma and lord shiva have not received as much mercy as mother yashoda has um got from lord krishna it's like amrita that comes out of your little window there on the zoom room every time you talk sadhu Amrita. Thank you very much. Hey,